unknown number of terrorists. Six or more armed with automatic weapons at Nakatomi Plaza. Century City. That's the best place to transmit. Somebody answer me, goddammit. The roof. Go, go! It's the same address as that fire signal. I'll handle it. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. No fucking shit, lady! Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Sadistic Penguin Studios presents Yumper and Spo at the Show Podcast with Tom Yumper Garcia. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. And Justin Svo Svoboda. What, so I gotta sit here and eat dessert alone like I'm fucking Steven Glansberg? It's almost time, so grab a drink. Get your popcorn ready and get comfortable to hear two guys from Chicago talking movies. Hey, we're back. I know you haven't seen us in over a month and a half, and that's particularly my fault, but we do have a podcast still. Uh, my name is Tom Garcia, a.k.a. Yumper, and I'm with my other co-host, Justin Svoboda for Yumper and Swole at the show. Mr. Svoboda, how are you doing today? Yumper, it is good to see you. Um, I we You know, we talk every day, but um, we haven't recorded in a while, so it's nice to see my podcast partner, my OG podcast partner, like up and on the screen, because you're the one that I like talking movies with. Same, my friend, same. Uh, good to be back. It's a good swing of things. Uh, we got a packed show for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about some... Uh, movies that we think are christmas movies how you feel about that topic well i mean i love it i think uh i think this is a hot a hot button topic right is this a christmas movie isn't a christmas movie um like i said in the tweet we're staying away from die hard because we all know that that's a christmas movie definitely definitely these uh, ones are kind of fringe kind of friends yeah will we agree on them i don't know will we not agree on them i don't know we'll we'll find out but But, and uh, even some of the ones that we picked maybe maybe they won't be Maybe like we look at each other and we're like, now nah, you know what? On second thought, that's not a Christmas movie. Could be. Could be, man. That's all a point of having this discussion. But uh, let's roll into our normal set of things and go into what we've been watching, Swell. So what have you been watching this week, man? Um, so the last time we talked, I went to the theaters and I saw the Eli Roth horror movie Thanksgiving. Um, and then my uh my old man came over on Monday and we watched Killers of the Flower Moon again. It's out available to to buy on uh, Apple TV plus. Um, and I bought it right away. It's a Scorsese movie. So I bought it right away. And um, so we watched that again. Fantastic movie, slowly creeping up into my top tier, like uh, Scorsese movies. Uh, love the indigenous rep- representation, love the message of the movie. Um, like I, I think I said this before, but uh, De Niro and DiCaprio have no redeeming qualities at all. They're just terrible, terrible people that uh, took advantage of the Osage you got to see this movie if you get a chance. And then the Eli Roth Thanksgiving movie. Um, dude, what a fun, goofy horror movie set around the premise of Thanksgiving. I absolutely adored it. I cannot wait to own it. Uh, it's a Thanksgiving movie that Kelly will never, ever watch. Um, but you, I think, will absolutely love it. I highly recommend it. What about you, Yump? What have you been watching? So I haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon yet. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like I said, you gave it really high praise. Everybody's talked to giving the high praise. My brother went and saw it. He told me it's a very hard movie to watch. Um, but he said it's very good. Uh, and then he also saw Thanksgiving too. And he gave it glowing um, uh, review of it, the same as you did. And I know uh, Rick Hoffman's in there, who's Lewis Litt from Suits. I know Baloney doesn't like Suits, but I love Suits. 
put uh, Rick Hoffman's in there as one of the main characters. So I'm looking forward to seeing that once I start getting back into watching movies again. Um, but I did check out two films. Uh, the first was Blue Beetle. I finally saw Blue Beetle with my son. Uh, I haven't got around to it until recently. We actually watched it and I actually really enjoyed the movie. Um, I love the Latino representation in it. And uh, I think uh, it was really, really done well. The only thing I have like kind of questions about it is uh, how they were, a- how the grandma was able to drive these machines and shit like that, like out of nowhere. But it was uh, very enjoyable, uh, even though it had George Lopez in there. Uh, <laughs> and then my other movie I watched, which I actually did a, a mini review for Yumper and Soul on the Penguin, uh, Statistic Penguin Studios uh, YouTube channel, was The Baker with Ron Perlman. Now, this movie was filmed in 2022 and released this year. Uh, it's kind of basically a, like I described in the review, it's basically John Wick goes to the bakery. Uh, it's a movie that I wish would have been made maybe 10 years ago when Ron Perlman was more physically uh, capable of doing things. And don't get me wrong, in this movie, he does a lot of shit, man. He he breaks a guy's neck with a fucking baguette. baguette. Like, no shit. It was, it's actually pretty funny. Uh, but it's just like, you could tell he's a little limited, but he still is in incredible shape. And I really enjoyed it. Um, you can actually check it out on Prime. I think it's like $3 a rent. Like, I would highly recommend it if you just want to see like an action movie that's kind of close to the Wick movies. Uh, have you seen any of these uh, movies, well? You're muted, my friend. I don't know how I got muted. Um, I'm totally with you on Blue Beetle. Um, I enjoyed the heck out of Blue Beetle. I know you don't love George Lopez. I'm not a big George Lopez fan, um, but I love the like the family dynamic of this movie. I love the 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 main character. Um, I forgot what his name is, but he's in Cobra Kai. Uh, it's Cholo, uh, Cholo uh, Madrina. Uh, yeah, he's he's fantastic in Cobra Kai as the main character in Cobra Kai. Um, I have not seen The Baker, but I love Ron Perlman. I love Sons of Anarchy. I love Hellboy. I will watch anything with Ron Perlman, even the terrible 1980s adaption of Beauty and the Beast when he was in when he played Beast. But I like Ron Perlman. So like I would check this out because it's a recent movie, right? Yeah, it's recent. Chich Marin. <laughs> um, yeah, it's recent, man. It's actually it's really enjoyable. It's a. Uh... It ha- also has um the guy remember Grandma's boy uh JP yes uh, is, plays, is that he, is Nick is that Nick Swartzen no no it's no not uh, Nick Swartzen um Joel David Moore he plays uh the, the guy who thinks he's a robot he um, oh yeah he tell me how, what do, this movie. how much do clothes cost in the Matrix <laughs> yes I love that movie me too but he he um he plays actually Ron Perlman's son in this movie okay and it's actually a good job done by Emma Ho who plays a uh, kind of a mute granddaughter it's not the greatest movie but it's action packed and I enjoyed it it was I worth mean, my hour and a half sometimes you sometimes you need those yes definitely Doug knows what I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> such a great movie maybe one day we'll do a grandma's boy review i love um, it i love it we we uh like no i'm i'm with you on blue beetle man i think it it got shit on and it didn't deserve it like the it was action-packed the story kept me involved the family dynamic was cool yeah definitely i think a, a lot of there was a lot of uh underlying racial stuff to go with blue beetle that people were criticizing it for and say and like some of the bigger channels were criticizing it in a racially motivated way and i thought that was kind of fucked up considering how uh you know they're such a big growing channel and a lot of people it was all over tiktok and whatnot for me it was something big because it's something where a representation of latinos is actually put out in the world as dc decided to run with it it didn't yeah. make a lot of money it made a little bit of a profit but from what i was reading there's actually uh 
James Gunn came out and said that there is going to be another Blue Beetle movie and Cholo is going to be reprising his role. Uh, I don't know if the rest of the family will reprise their roles, but he'll be back in some capacity going forward in the DC universe. So hopefully uh, they can just latch on and build better. Um, um, well, I think the movie was bad, but build an even better film next time and like build a better franchise and have this character grow, which I like. Yeah. I also like that the villain was Susan Sarandon, right? Like, yes, which is hilarious. Like it was, it was pretty funny. Um, no, I, I was a big fan. I was a big fan. I would check out the Baker. You have to see Thanksgiving. Yes, I would definitely check it out, and I'll check out Killers of the Flower Moon uh, as soon as I get a chance. Um, but with that, well, let's roll in to our topic. So I reiterated what the topic is in the beginning of the show. You want to go into a little bit more and tell everybody who just joined us. Yeah, so um, we each went through and we picked um, a few movies that um, maybe Christmas movies may not be Christmas movies. Uh, definitely have a Christmas theme to them, or or takes place at that at some point. Um, and we know that there's like you know there's not a clear line; it's a gray area of what's a Christmas movie, what's not a Christmas movie. And I think Die Hard is the ultimate um, like litmus test of that. People say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Some people say it's not because it's action and it's violent. When the author of the book and the director of the movie flat out said that this was meant to be a Christmas movie. Um, so we just wanted to see what you guys say. And we're going to go over some of the ones that we enjoy watching um, when we need just a little bit of break from the sugary family Christmas movies that everybody likes. Even though I like all those sentimental Christmas movies, sometimes these are a nice break. For sure, my friend. Let's get into our first one. What do you play for? For United States of America. That's all, gentlemen. Miracle, made by Disney, directed by Gavin O'Connor, who also directed The Accountant, The Way Back, Warrior, and Pride and Glory. The movie stars Kurt Russell, Patricia Clarkson, and Noah Emmerich. At a box office of $64 million on a $28 million budget. So, Swole, tell me why you think Miracle is a Christmas movie. Um, well, first of all, Miracle is just a great movie, right? This is a fantastic hockey movie, probably the best hockey movie, depending on who you ask. Some people will say Slapshot. Some people might say The Mighty Ducks. For me, this is the ultimate hockey movie. Um, but the only thing in here is that these guys get together and they skate and they play a game on Christmas Day. And that's when they kind of come together. And they realize that, hey, we're playing for something a little bit bigger. This is this is bigger than us. Um, and it, that's what makes it a Christmas movie to me. And it's still like very, very family friendly. It's a good message. So I'm going to put this on the list of, yes, this is a Christmas movie. So for me, I, first of all, anything with Kurt Russell, I will watch. And I love uh, Kurt Russell. And Dougie, I love The Goon. I mentioned it in one of my um, sleeper movies in a list we did a while back. Everyone loves The Goon. The Goon is fantastic. I love yes. it. Yes. Um, but in terms of this movie, the only I, I think this is a great movie in terms of, like, I love the story. I love the fact that the historical stuff, they go back and forth within the movie when they show the timeline and then what the events are happening while he's training the U.S. hockey team. The only thing I don't consider to be a Christmas movie is because the game really happened on, in February. It did. It definitely, like, the game <laughs> happened in the Olympics, and it, it is what it is. But uh, the 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 catalyst for everything is is the the game that they play on Christmas Day. So it might not be like a traditional one, but I'm gonna go with yes, it is. 
I'm gonna push back and say, eh. <laughs> but okay. I mean, don't That's get me okay. wrong though. This movie is good. I just don't know if it fits the Christmas criteria. I, I'm pretty sure on my list, some of them don't either. And that's okay. It's just that I, I like I, I watched it again today and I enjoyed it. I, but I was like, man, when he said in February, he kept saying in February, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's what kind of threw me off about it. But you know, the great thing about this movie is when Kirk Russell took this movie in, he actually took a pay cut for it to give the eight to 800 to a thousand extras a chance to get actually a full hot meal during your work days instead of brown bag lunches, which I thought was kind of cool of him. They brought Al Michaels back to do voiceover, except for the part where he says, do you believe in miracles, which they actually used the authentic voice uh, over line because the director didn't feel he could capture the same enthusiasm that would have happened um, if he would did it you know, record, re-recording it. And I thought that was kind of cool. They kind of edited it seamlessly, if you listen to it. It's like really nicely, uh, you know, played out. I, it, it, I thought this was actually, you know, really, really done well. Herb Brooks, unfortunately, passed away before this movie could come out. Yeah. He, died in a, he died in a car accident. But from what I was reading about Herb Brooks when this movie first came out was he was really well-respected, complete asshole. <laughs> yeah. No, and but, anybody, everybody that loves hockey knows that he was kind of a dickhead. Yeah, but he knew like he could get his team to play. The guy won three national championships and a go and uh, you know a gold medal with this team. He's in the U.S. Hockey, uh, U.S. Olympic Hockey Hall of Fame. Yep, I, he's a legend in his own right. And you know this is more like this kind of remind me of, like a serious Mighty Ducks movie. It's what kind of reminds you of. I I would agree with that comparison completely. Yeah, so if you haven't checked this one out, I would definitely check it out. It's a very very enjoyable movie. Christmas, I don't know. Swooping still, <laughs> I don't know. But I mean. It's still good to check out. I'm going to make my whole family watch it on Christmas Day now. Um, (laughs) You can stream Miracle on Disney Plus, and it is available to rent uh, on Amazon Prime, Apple TV for $3.99. But if you have a Disney Plus subscription, you can watch it for free. Yes, it's very good. Check it out. But uh, let's get into our second movie, my friend. Seems like bailing you out of trouble is going to be a lifetime job for me. There wouldn't be no trouble except for that king shit cup. All I wanted was something to eat. Man, I kept pushing, sir. Well, you did some pushing on your own, John. They drew First Blood, not me. First Blood, released in 1982, directed by Ted Kaltiff, who also directed the great and classic Weekend at Bernie's and Wake and Fright, uh, starring Sylvester Stallone, Brian Dennehy, and Richard Krina. The movie had a box office of $125 million on a budget of $15 million. So let me tell you this, why I think this is a Christmas movie. The movie takes place during December in Christmas time. If you look around through other scenery, there's a lot of Christmas stuff in there. And Rambo is actually just going around trying to find his friend to get some food during Christmas time. And instead of having the Christmas spirit, the character of Brian Denning, he decides to be an asshole and throw him in jail. I love this movie. I always, I always seem to have to watch it during Christmas time. I don't know why. Uh, it's one of my uh, Stallone movies that is non-Rocky and non-Cora that I watch constantly. I love Rambo. So what do you think? Rambo is one of the first like movies that I fell in love with as a kid. I get it completely. Um, just him walking down like the road in, you know, North Washington in his army jacket and all that. Like it's, it's fantastic. This is a great movie. Um, if, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, um, this is a Christmas movie. If Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie, this is a Christmas movie. I absolutely get that comparison. Um, yeah. Yeah, to, oh man, we agree on this. I thought we were going to agree on this one. But like to me, it's always been. Uh, some of the things I love, love about this movie, it, not just the fact, you know, it has a lot of action in it, 
but not a lot of like killing and deaths, but just like action in general, is that it tells a good story of how Vietnam vets and came over and basically were treated like trash and sometimes still are treated like trash today. Uh, you know, I wish they would elaborate more on Den Brian Dennehy's character, why he disliked Rambo so much. And I actually read the book because I'm a nerd. Uh, the book tells says that Brian Dennehy's character as a sheriff was actually in the Korean War. And when he came back, nobody cared. Uh, Vietnam War vets came back and everybody was all over and whether they disliked them or liked them. And he got jealous of that and said, well, I was in the war too and nobody cared about me coming back. So that's why he had animosity towards John Rambo, uh, which makes a better story. If that, backstory, that backstory makes it sound a little bit better why he hates, why he dislikes him or whatever. Yeah, and the movie just makes it seem like he's just a dick. But yeah, and, uh, and that's what I was going to say. Like Brian, Denne Brian Dennehy in this movie is the ultimate dick. Like he's a dick. The guy from Gladiator, yes. I love that movie. It's another great movie. Chicago 1992's movie. Gladiator with James Marshall and Cuba Gooding Jr. The best Gladiator. Uh, but, you, you know, crazy thing about this movie was Kurt Russell was tied to this movie as well. He's supposed to be the general that, that actually um, is Rambo's handler. He left due to creative differences. Reason being, in the novel, Rambo's supposed to die in the, in the movie. I mean, he lives. And Russell didn't agree with that context. Uh, so when he left, you know, they got the uh, Robert Karina to come in and do it, do it, which he did an excellent job. But it's funny that we went from one Kurt Russell movie to now another one that was him involved. That's true. Uh, Al Pacino was actually starred, cast to star as John Rambo, but he wanted to do it in a more madman way. And they said, uh, yeah, they said, no, we kind of want to give him more of a human aspect, which is what Stallone actually ended up writing the screenplay for. Stallone actually wrote the screenplay. And this is crazy. So I was reading this today. When this movie came out, he saw it. It was three hours long. Him and his agent hated it. They thought it was going to ruin his career. So they asked the studio to cut out as much of the John Rambo character as they could and let the other characters tell the story. So they dwindled it down to like 90 minutes of what we got today. It turns out it's the most successful movie outside of Rocky that Stallone had. Because he had Paradise Alley. He, you know, Fist. You know what's and, funny is like we pick on we pick on Stallone or like you know pop culture picks on Stallone as just like this goofy guy, but like he wrote the screenplay for this. He wrote the Rocky screenplay. He's actually a talented writer and knows how to write like a movie. Yes, he actually is. He's a very good uh, good actor. You, you know, he proved it in Copland. Totally yeah. something that wasn't even like up his alley. He gained a bunch of weight for it. Uh, he's also writing a Tulsa King. He wrote a lot of that, which I actually like a lot. Tulsa King's really really good. Mm -hmm. Um, he wrote this so well that even the the author of the original novel, David Morrell, said that he prefers the film over his novel, and that's like big time kudos to the film. You know, Ramble's such a great movie. It, I, the sequels are what they are; they're just action money grabs. But you know, this movie in general, like, it always hit home just because I I've you know counseled veterans, I have family that are veterans, and it kind of like shows the trials and tribulations that they go through to some point, and especially in the final scene when he's talking about his friend who you know, passed away from getting uh, his Chevy convertible blown up. That was actually a true story from a real veteran that Stallone relayed in that monologue. And it was actually done really well. Um, so it happens during Christmas time. I think it's a Christmas movie. Swole agrees. So we're gonna, Yeah, we're going to give this uh, four Christmas trees. This is a Christmas movie. <laughs> four Christmas trees for this one. It'll be a Christmas movie. If you agree, let us know in the comments. But uh, 
Go ahead, you can you can stream Rambo uh, if you have a Paramount Plus subscription. It's available on Pluto TV for free. Um, it's also available to rent for three ninety nine on Amazon, Apple TV Plus, Vudu, any of those. Brian, you don't like the crow, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! So that, that reminds me, this is totally, totally off, <laughs> totally off subject. Uh, so I saw today a picture on Facebook of the Dark Knight when Heath Ledger walks into that room with all the mob bosses sitting down, and the uh, the banker is basically on the TV screen. Okay. The cinematography of him walking into that room is the same when Brandon Lee walks into the room with all the gang leaders in the crow. I might need you to send me that picture. I will send it. And they, it's like legit, like the, the way it's shot looks and the way he points at him and says, he's a squealer. It's the same thing of Lee points as uh, him says, I just want him, which is crazy. Cause I was like, oh, Brian won't like it. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know if uh, Christopher Nolan grew some, in, you know, influence maybe some from inspiration from Alex Proyas. Yeah, maybe, but it's, it's pretty cool to think that, uh, well, who the hell is this? Tricky Smith. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty cool that uh, it's like uh, something tied into it. I know it's off subject, but I just thought of it right now because I mentioned uh, Batman. I love but, it. But let's get into our next one, Mr. Sobota. That's a hell of a lot less than he deserves. <laughs> Listen, Bill, I don't think you realize what kind of trouble you were in last night. Who do you think those people were? Those were not just ordinary people there. If I told you their names, I'm not going to tell you their names, but if I did, I don't think you'd sleep so well. 1999's Eyes Wide Shut, directed by the great Stanley Kubrick, who also directed movies like Dr. Strangelove, 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, The Shining, and Full Metal Jacket. It stars Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, Sidney Pollack, and Marie Richardson. The movie had a box office of $162 million on a budget of $65 million. Swole, tell me about this movie and why you think it's a Christmas movie. Um, so I don't know if this is a Christmas movie. This is just one that happens to take place at Christmas time. I watched this this afternoon um, after the Bears game. Um, holy shit. Like, is, was Stanley Kubrick just like, like horny to see Nicole Kidman naked? Because this is fucking still to me one of the to this day one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I know there's a, like all kinds of sub like subtext and like hidden plots, but like Tom Cruise and um, you know the orgy with the, the government officials, it just happens to take place at Christmas time. This is a weird fucking movie. And uh, I know this was Kubrick's last thing. I know he was working on AI that. Um, uh, Steven Spielberg finished um, after he finished with Poltergeist, but um, it's just so weird, and it just happens to take place at Christmas. What do you think about this movie, Yump? Uh, so um, I'm going to go right out and say this is a Christmas movie, but it's not a Christmas movie you want your family to be watching with you. Uh, hey, Grandma, come on over. We're going to watch Eyes Wide Shut tonight. Because it happens around Christmas, and just for the... Uh, the requirements of it's happening during a Christmas time, it can be considered a Christmas movie. Uh, Brian, Brian put in the comments, it's so weird because Kubrick died before it was cut. Actually, Kubrick released this uh, for, he died four days after he gave the final cut to the studio. Yep. Um, this movie to me is, I understand. Fidelio. 
Fidelio. Yes, that's the uh, the safe word to get into the the club. To get into the orgy. Yeah. Um, Kubrick said when before he passed, he said this is probably his best work. Uh, I think that's fucking crazy considering he did you know other masterpieces like Full Metal Jacket. But from Clockwork, what I was Clockwork yeah. Orange is like the ultimate like Kubrick movie. So last night, um, Kelly and I went to go see uh, um, Die Hard. Mm-hmm. at the movie theater and Ode to Joy from Beethoven is played throughout the entire Die Hard, right? It's it's mm-hmm. just in the background everywhere. Um and um I go to Kelly, I'm like, I hate Ode to Joy. And she's like, why? I'm like, cause it's like it's Alex's favorite song in like Clockwork Orange. And it's like it's fucked with me ever since I saw that and read the book. Um that's a Kubrick side note, but this movie's like Stanley Kubrick was fucked up, dude. Like that dude was messed up. Yeah. And the crazy thing is that uh, Cruz and Kidman, who were married at the time, uh, they signed open-ended contracts. So they agreed to work on this project until Stanley Kubrick released them from it. So they basically lived in England so long during these shoots because Kubrick has also, also always been known for a person that is constantly doing shots. There's actually a shot where Tom Cruise is in the billiard scenes walking through the door when they're playing billiards. Just walking through the door had to be shot 95 times. That billiard scene was shot over 200 times. Kubrick is, had OCD when it came to shooting certain angles and the way things are shot. But it also comes through in the way his films are shot. They're beautifully shot. Like unique angles. Uh, this is a movie that, you know, had high people like Harvey Keitel attached to it. He was actually starring in it as Vincent. But he had to drop out due to, you know, the movie taking so long to be made. Um, Victor, I'm sorry, you know, and and, then Marian Nathanson was also starred and she got taken out. I thought it was pretty crazy, you know, just the way the film is shot in terms of length is that Vanessa Shaw, who plays uh, Domino, 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 yeah, she was only supposed to be shot for a week long shoot. She ended up staying almost two and a half months. (laughs) That's how crazy Kubrick is. Uh, And one last note of trivia in terms of that role. Clarissa explains it all. Star Melissa Joan Hart actually auditioned for the role of Domino, which did, which I don't know if I could see her as Domino. Did I ever tell you I met Melissa Joan Hart? No. So Melissa Joan Hart in eighth grade came to our middle school to talk about why you don't want to get hepatitis C. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, she came, she stood, she stood in our gym and talked to us and talked about the dangers of hepatitis C. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it. I, don't know, I love Melissa Joan Hart. Drive Me Crazy is one of my favorite movies. Uh, Dude, same. But uh, yeah, Vin- this movie. Vincent Chase is in it. Yes, he is. After uh, what was the name of the movie that he that bombed that he always won the on Entourage? Medellin. Medellin. <laughs> Medellin. <laughs> yes, Medellin. Um, but yeah, this is this movie. It's completely Kubrick style. It's fucking weird. I also didn't like. One thing I didn't like about it is like society these days are obsessed with like Masonic shit and like apparently Masons are all this secret society that have all these keys to rule the world. You know, I, I have news to tell you. They don't. <laughs> okay. They Wait don't a minute. Wait a minute. Shit. <laughs> I just thought of, is this what you're doing on Wednesday nights? No. If this is what I was doing, I have a lot more enjoyable, fun life. <laughs> Like the shit that I see, like that's what makes me laugh is that it's like, oh, the Masons, they do this. And, you know, to talk about crazy, there's a, there's a writer named David Ick who actually commented on this movie. He said, 
uh, the Freemason mansion sequence is being very mild version of what really goes on in the elite society. But David Icke is also a person who believes in reptilians and wrote books on it that, you know, that I saw that are completely way the hell out there. So, I mean, you're going to take my word of his. I, I'm just letting you know, like, I haven't done any of this shit. And I don't know anybody who has. That's a Mason. I, I believe you. <laughs> I just, like, busted your ball. And, and one of my Mason Masonic brothers here just, just puts a smiley face because he knows it's like, <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? But it's just, to me, it's just funny to, that this is something that's, it's in a lot of movies. It's just this movie is more predominant. I mean, in like National story. Treasure, oh, we're gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. They they were protecting it. Yeah, I, like if I come on, man, if, if I had the power to control the world, do you think I'd be doing the podcast every uh, right? <laughs> or the podcast would be like it would be bought by a massive group, and we would get paid to just do it. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. Uh, Eyes wide shut. It's completely out there. Uh, it's a movie I watched again. For this week to watch, I probably won't watch it again. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. It's not a very enjoyable movie every, to me. But every time I go to the movies now and I see the stupid Nicole Kidman commercial, I'm just gonna think of like of this, and I'm like, holy shit, she was nuts. Definitely. Uh, but she had a lot of respect for Kubrick. She said that he wasn't trying to exploit her, and they went through every scene with she was nude in, and she approved everything. So they must have had. I, a, I don't um, think she was nude in a movie before this. He, no, she wasn't. Yeah. Um, it's just weird, man. <laughs> Brian ain't pay, paying you for this. No, he's not. Son of a bitch. It is It is a weird movie. Um, and it was released in the heart of the summer as like a summer blockbuster. Yes. Uh, it had a great song, though, from Chris Isaac, uh, Did a Bad, Bad Thing, which is one of the uh, tunes that I remember from it. Yeah. I'm with Peter's sexual tension. <laughs> We get paid in sexual attention every wow. other Friday. All right. Uh, let's move on to our next one. Oh, my God. Mortimer, your brother's not well. We better call an ambulance. Fuck him! 1983's Trading Places, directed by the great John Landis, who also directed The Blues Brothers, um, Coming to America, Animal House, Three Amigos, and American Werewolf in London. The movie stars Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis, Ralph Bellamy, and Don Amici. It had a budget of $15 million and made a box office of $90 million. So this is one of my picks. Uh, Train Places automatically to me takes is a definitely a Christmas movie because it takes place during Christmas time. And as you can see, even in the poster, there are Christmas trees behind them. It's one of the best comedies that I always enjoy. I love Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. I love Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy's chemistry. I believe this is the first movie that will actually, you know, propelled Eddie Murphy to stardom that really got the ball rolling for him. Uh, it's something that I really liked when I first saw it. And I continue like, I thought Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy were hilarious. I love the fact they do their cameo in Coming to America, another film with Eddie Murphy in the future. Um, it's just a great storyline. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, piss on the rich. I loved it. What do you think about it, Swell? Not only is this a Christmas movie, not only is this a comedy, this is an elite Christmas movie comedy. This is absolutely my favorite Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy movie. I watch it every year. Um, my wife had never seen it before we watched it. This is top 10 comedy movies of me all time. In the same veins as Coming to America, Super Bad, all those other movies. This is a fantastic movie. Um, I couldn't love it more. Definitely. Uh one it's also the did, first time you saw Jamie Lee Curtis's tits in a movie. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah. 
but <laughs> I, I think her character is hilarious in this movie. Ophelia? Yeah. Uh, I think, too, uh, the crazy thing about this movie is, like I said, it was like one of the big movies that propelled Eddie Murphy. This is also a, a movie that, you know, Aykroyd didn't have John Belushi, who he was doing films with, you know, afterwards. And he actually pays homage to Belushi in uh, his when his mugshot is taken. It's, it's the same serial number as Jake Blues and the Blues Brothers. Also, his douchebag brothers in the movie. Oh, God. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, but at least he's in a gorilla suit for most of the movie. <laughs> for his scene in the movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, the gorilla suit part. Um, but uh, it was pretty crazy that this movie was actually thought up as a Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder vehicle. Um, you can kind of see it. They're known for doing buddy comedies. Uh, they both pulled out and they wrote the script for Eddie Murphy uh, to do it with. Um, but he wanted to do it with Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder was actually willing to do it, but Eddie Murphy's like, I only want to copy Richard Pryor. And they kind of parted ways and they hired Dan Aykroyd. And I think it was really, really well done chemistry for both of them to, uh, to go into. And it's kind of funny, like nowadays when you think of Dan Aykroyd, you don't really think of him as like a really big comedic actor. But no. the stuff that he's done, like, you know, he's two wild and crazy guys. Uh, you know, he's done the Blues Brothers. He's done this movie. He's done um, The Great Outdoors. You know, stuff like Coneheads. Like now you kind of think of him as, everybody kind of reverts to him as the, uh, in Ghostbusters or as, you know, the guy who does Skull Vodka. He's not as thought of as that, as that comedic genius that he was back then. And this actually movie just shows it, you know, how good he is. Absolutely. And when this movie came out, he was like the pinnacle of like, comedy and stuff like that um i I can only imagine yeah like i can only imagine like what it was like being on set making this movie because it had to have been hilarious right like you have two comedic geniuses Aykroyd and murphy not only that but you have like my favorite character actor from the 80s paul gleason is in this movie um as uh clarence beaks right he plays clarence beaks Mm mm-hmm um, and you're right. The, the Mortimer brothers are hilarious and they, they reprise that role in coming to America. And, uh, it's just a great comedy movie that should be watched like, uh, at the holidays. Definitely. Definitely should be watched the holidays. It, it's a, it's a classic movie. Yep. I mean, if it's you have a great choice, yeah, if you haven't seen it's, it, uh, I definitely recommend you watch I it. I do. I do question though, like people that like think that this is on the fringe of being a Christmas movie. Cause it definitely fucking is. Yes, it totally is. Um, but well, where can they find Trading Places? Oh, Trading Places is available to rent on Apple TV Plus, and it is free to watch on Amazon Prime. Nice. So if you haven't seen it, check it out for your Christmas pleasure. It's definitely worth it. But uh, let's get into our next film. What do you want? Ah, the direct approach. I admire that in a man with a mask. (laughs) You don't really think you'll win, do you? Things change. 1992's Batman Returns, directed by Tim Burton, who also directed the original Batman, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Big Fish, Sleepy Hollow and Mars Attacks to name a couple films. Yeah, the movie stars Michael Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, Christopher Walken as the great Max Shrek. Movie had a budget of $80 million and a box office of $260 million. So this is one of my picks, well, 
But I want to hear what you think about Batman Returns. Um, Batman Returns is, uh, to this day, still my favorite Batman movie that's ever been made. Um, Michael Keaton is not my favorite Batman. I love Michael Keaton as Batman. This is a debate for another time. We're staying away from that debate. But this is my favorite Batman movie. I love Batman Returns. Um, another movie that came out in June that takes place in the dead of winter in Gotham. Danny DeVito as Oswald Cobblepot is absolutely fantastic. His lines in this movie are so quotable. Um, the scene where he has a, a like a video game like Batmobile and he's he's controlling the real Batmobile. Um, and and the way that like uh, Pee Wee Herman, his his dad, Paul Rubens, throws him off the bridge in a Gotham like uh, river and he's raised by pain. It's absolutely it's absolutely a Christmas movie. It's an elite Batman movie. Um, it's also uh, a bondage and leather latex movie um, uh, because the, those those fetishists love Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman in that leather suit. Who who? And by the way, like we still don't know if we've seen the last of of Catwoman in the the new Batman series, but she's the best Catwoman to ever exist in a movie. Um, this is absolutely pure comic book genius. I love it. Yeah. So this is my favorite Batman movie. Uh, yeah. Of all time, yeah. I I, the, I I love the Nolan movies. This is my favorite one. Do you remember the um, the McDonald's promotions for this movie? The cups with the bat lid discs. Yes. Like if you ordered a, a Big Mac meal, you got a free Batman cup with the glow in the dark frisbee discs. So you want to know something crazy about this? This movie reminds me of the, those commercials. Reminds me of another movie that has nothing to do with, with Christmas, but has to do with baseball, and it's called Little Big League. They actually discuss in the movie, what if Batman gets really hungry and wants to get something to eat? He's got a call from Commissioner Gordon. He's got to go through the drive-thru. And in the McDonald's commercial, this actually happens. He He got a call from Alfred. Yeah, where he goes to the drive-thru. He gets a call from Alfred. He goes to the drive-thru. This to me is like, I think this is Tim Burton at his best in terms of making the character of, of Batman more dark and ominous. I love that, the aspect of this. This is before Tim, you know, Tim Burton got a little too carried away with certain his, some of his movies, which are usually weird, but they're good. But they, you know, can get really dark, uh, like Sleepy Hollow or uh, The Demon Barber. Good movies. Oh, Sweeney Todd's a great movie, but yes, it, like this mm-hmm. took a this took like a he took a real right turn. Yeah, and you know, to have Dan DeVito, I think is iconic as the Penguin. He'll go and tell you that he is the best Penguin because he's never seen any other ones. He'll also go and tell you that the best Batman is Michael Keaton because Michael Keaton was in the movie was the Batman in the movie he was in. Uh, I thought this was like nicely shot. It had a lot of comedy to it. Batman actually fucking kills a guy in this movie by kicking him in the chest when he has a bomb stress to him, so he blows up. He didn't live through that. But also, Batman kills somebody in this movie. Also, we're forgetting um, Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. Yes. So I was going to bring this up. So Christopher Walken was cast as Max Shrek. One thing that was crazy about this was that Tim Burton did not want to cast him. Do you know why? I have no idea. He didn't like the deer hunter? (laughs) No, it has nothing to do with the deer hunter. Somebody asked him, uh, what about Christopher Walken for the Shrek role? And he said, I don't know if I want to cast that guy. He scares the shit out of me. <laughs> so if you're scaring Tim Burton, you're doing something right. 
Uh, but Walken and him do have a working relationship. As you know, he was cast as the uh, Headless Horseman in Sleepy Hollow later on. I think Christopher Walken, this is like, you know, bread and butter Christopher Walken, the way he does his mannerisms, his dialogue. It's hilarious. Like it, he just brings so much more life to the movie. It adds more of a layer that's enjoyable. There's, um, two, Max, mm-hmm. there's two things that like stand out to this to me with this movie. One is the um the cir- like the evil circus that like takes over the city at the beginning of the movie. And the other is a gentleman named Andrew Bernarski. Bernarski, he plays Chip Shrek, mm-hmm. um Max's son. And he's also in uh he also plays the dude in the program, the dude that um is all juiced up, he's steroided yeah. up. He's such a fucking meathead. Um, but yeah, this man, this movie's so fucking good. I love it. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh a couple of little trivia trips here. Uh the Michelle Pfeiffer had 60 Catwoman outfits that had to be tried on to see which one fit the best. They each cost about ten thousand dollars a piece. Some ranging from six to ten, uh, and all them suits were vacuum sealed. So she had to get her lines and stuff done quickly because she would pass out because of how tight the uniform was. The the, the suit was, and I think it's pretty crazy. Uh, she did learn how to use the whip her first time in training it. She actually slashed her trainer's face with the whip on accident, and he was a trooper and just kept going through lesson, which I think is crazy. And she actually brought out the whip not too long ago to like showcase it again. Uh, I think she released it on social media or her cracking it. People thought she was coming back to Batman. Um, Burgess Meredith, who played Batman, uh, the character of the Penguin in the TV show Batman. Most of us know him as Mickey from the Rocky series, but he was the original Batman. Was actually asked to reprise his role as Chester Copperpot's parents. Uh, Unfortunately, he was ill at the time. Uh, he lived another five years after this movie was made, but he was ill at the time. So they went and got Paul Rubens and Diane Sillinger, Salinger from Pee-wee's, Pee-wee's uh, Big Adventure, who played Simone and Pee-wee, of course, as his parents. And I think it would have been kind of cool to see Burgess Meredith as the Penguin's father, but seeing Paul Rubens and her in there made me laugh because they were like friends in the movie of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And just to see Pee-wee in a movie that's not Pee-wee made me laugh. Well, and it's cool that like, Tim Burton obviously had a relationship with Paul Rubens mm-hmm. and he wanted to continue to work with him. And if I'm not mistaken, like even this, I don't know when the, when the Paul Rubens in the theater thing happened, but like it was before this. Yeah, it was before that. So he and, got some work from, and after, he still got some work from Tim Burton. Yeah. And Paul Rubin continued to get work, you know, after this, it kind of helped, you know, push him uh, along. Uh, Benny, the jet, who's one of the, probably one of the greatest kickboxers. Uh, he's in a, like space plays small roles. He actually trained John Cusack in kickboxing. He Say plays anything. one. Yeah, he plays. Um, he's in um, Gross Point Blake. He fights them in the lock when they're in the upstairs on the second floor of the high school. Yeah, he kills them with the um, pencil. He actually is in this movie as well as one of the clowns, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, just like little things like that was what I find is crazy. Um, David Bowie was actually asked to be Max Shrek before Christopher Walken was cast, but he turned it down to do Twin Peaks. And I think that was actually a good choice by him because yeah. I liked Walken as Shrek and I liked um, uh, David Bowie in Twin Peaks. So it was two perfect roles that... Sometimes like a movie just has to come together and the right things need to go wrong and the, the other things need to go right, right? Like, can you imagine what the Matrix would have been like if it would have been Will Smith instead of like 
would have been horrible. Reeves. <laughs> like, uh, right. Well, yeah, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, like sometimes like those casting things that like, Oh, I missed out on this role. Well, that's probably for a good reason because this movie would have been completely different. Like, without christopher walking in it uh, or as david and i love david bowie right but like with him playing that role instead of it it's just a whole thing <laughs> definitely and you know annette bedding was actually cast as catwoman before michelle pfeiffer uh she was pregnant at the time so she had to drop out uh and michelle pfeiffer took over and like i can't see michelle Pfeiffer nobody playing the catwoman in this role besides michelle pfeiffer no like this movie is like maybe holly up. berry no I love Holly Berry, but she was a horrible Catwoman. She was. This is like this is my favorite Batman movie. It's set in Christmas time. It's definitely a Christmas movie to me. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely check this one out. This is one is actually better than the, in my opinion, than the Burton original, uh, because he has a lot more creative uh, leeway That's in this film. Take. And going back and reading this, uh, Burton and Keaton both say you know agree that it's their best Batman film they're a part of. Uh, I would have loved to see if there was a with the third in the trilogy, yeah. which was talked about. But again, the studio wanted to get involved some more and push back from Burton and Keaton wasn't going to do it without Burton. Um, it was nice to see Keaton come back in the newer movies. Newer movie. He was in newer movies, but they cut the other one. But, you know, it's kind of sad that what could have been is now that Keaton's almost 70 years old. So there's not really much you can do with him but it was nice of him to give his little send off in uh, the flash I'm, I'm glad that he like he's back making movies because he took a break for a long time yeah yeah Keaton, he took a break for his kids great actor another underrated actor that doesn't get enough you know his flowers Agreed. Agreed. Uh, but yeah definitely check this one out if you haven't uh, Swole where can they find Batman Returns every Batman movie is available to stream on Max it is also available to purchase on iTunes Vudu Amazon Prime uh, YouTube TV but you can stream it for free with your HBO Max subscription. Yes, and Brian, uh, Sean Young did beat up Pim Burton because she didn't get the role in the first movie. <laughs> Vicky. Vale. <laughs> yeah, Vicky Vale. Uh, I couldn't see her doing it. But with that, let's get into our last movie, Mrs. Ramona. I know what Ed Gein said about women. Ed Gein, maitre d' canal bar? No serial killer wisconsin in the 50s what did ed say he said when i see a pretty girl walking down the street i think two things one part of me wants to take her out and talk to her be real nice and sweet and treat her right and what the other part of him think <laughs> what her head would look like on a stick american cycle directed by mary heron who also directed i shot andy warhol the notorious betty page and charlie says it's based off a novel by brent easton ellis starring christian bale William Defoe, Jared Leto, Josh Lucas, and Reese Witherspoon. The movie had a budget of $7 million and a box office of $34 million. So well, tell me why you think American Psycho is a Christmas movie. It's absolutely a Christmas movie. There's scenes in the movie where Reese Witherspoon's walking around saying, Merry Xmas, Patrick, and carrying mistletoe, trying to get people to kiss her under the mistletoe. Merry Xmas, Patrick. And she's carrying a potbelly pig as a pet in one arm. So that one scene made it a Christmas movie for you? It's absolutely a Christmas movie. Absolutely a Christmas movie. I don't care. It's a Christmas movie. So so if I had a movie with just a fucking evergreen tree in the back, I would say it's a Christmas movie. Don't care. Like Tommy don't Boy. Care. Tommy Boy is a Christmas movie because he beats the shit out of him in front of some evergreen trees. Christmas movie. Wait, did they have Christmas lights on them? 
No, but they no, it's not a Christmas <laughs> movie. This is a Christmas movie. So uh, this is by far the hardest movie. I'm like, wait, did, why does he think this is a Christmas movie? This is takes it... place at a. There's part of it that takes place at a Christmas party. <laughs> Trading places doesn't take place all on Christmas Day. It takes place over a span of months. Two weeks. It takes place over two, two weeks. weeks. <laughs> two weeks. This takes place in a span over a, a period of time as well. This is a Christmas movie, my friend. I don't know, man, but I, you know what? I'll give this one to you because I think Miracle was. <laughs> but just the I'll fact, take, mir- I'll take a win where I can take a win. <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna go, Miracle is not a Christmas movie, but this is, then I'm okay with it. This is Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne in between the Batman scenes. We didn't get to see. Could be Sam. Maybe. Uh, so we've talked about American Cycle before. Um. It was on one of your favorite movies of all time. It it is. It's a top top five favorite movie of all time. Yes, it, it's a great movie. The book's actually very uh, is very good as well. I know you've read it. Uh, I've read it. I uh, read anything that Brett Easton Ellis does because that dude one does more cocaine that that than uh, would kill a small horse because that dude does a lot of cocaine and he writes movies that take place in like the eighties, um, like uh, Rules of Attraction and. Um, uh, he wrote zero. less than zero, which is oh, you, did, did you say that at the same time? I love it, I love it. Um, but he writes in that era, kind of where I was like growing up. Um, and I love, uh, I love his, I love his books, I love his movie, I love, I love this movie. Um, one, it's it's basically a horror movie, right? Uh, without actually, it's more of a thriller. We'll call it a thriller. We won't go horror movie. Um. But it's it's goofy. It's out there. Did it really happen? Did it not really happen? The the nuances of the fucking business cards and the color of the business cards, right? The scene in this movie. Um, and he kills Jared Leto. And I fucking hate Jared Leto, right? Anytime Jared Leto dies in a movie, I'm pro Jared Leto dying in a movie. Wow, I didn't know you hate Jared Leto. That I'm much. not a Jared Leto fan. I'm not a Jared Leto fan. The scene in Fight Club where he absolutely just gets destroyed. And you see Ed Norton goes, uh, Ed Norton goes, I wanted to destroy something beautiful. I was like, all right. <laughs> like, I'm not a Jared Leto fan. Yeah, he's a weird guy. He's a weirdo. Uh, but the cast is fantastic. You have Christian Bale, Willem Dafoe, Jared Leto, uh, Chloe Svengi, um, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Like, Willem Dafoe as the private detective is fantastic. This is just an elite top tier movie, and I love it. Yeah, so the crazy thing about this movie is that Leonardo DiCaprio was actually cast as uh, Patrick Bateman. Oh, dude, the whole oral history of how hard it was to get this movie made. Like, Martin Scorsese was supposed to make it Mm -hmm. at some point. Like, the whole history of, like, what they had to go through to get this movie made is just nuts. Maybe we can do something on that in the future. Uh, So DiCaprio was cast. uh, He was charging for his fee to be Patrick Bateman $21 million. When he dropped out, uh, Christian Bale lobbied for this role greatly. And for those who don't know, Christian Bale does not have a American accent. He's actually uh, British. He uh, perfected the American accent for this film, got himself in shape, and with his salary, the movie got into a budget of seven million dollars, which made it a profitable movie due to making thirty-four million. Uh, I I can't see Leo playing this role. I think. Christian Bale 
did a great job doing it. I think Christian Bale is like a chameleon. I think he he's probably one one of the better character actors going from this, going from Dickie and uh the fighter. Fighter. Um, My God, was he fantastic in the fighter? You know, yeah, going for uh, playing um you know in that's what's the movie with Johnny Depp when they're uh public enemies playing Melvin Purvis in that movie. You know, he he's very good at chameleon his voice. His... I want to backtrack a little bit about your Leo comment. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see Leo doing this movie at that point of his career, but I could see Leo doing this movie at this point of his career because his acting skills have gotten considerably better and his ability to change the way he is perceived is completely different. He's not the same teeny bopper actor that he was, you know, when Romeo and Juliet and Titanic uh, were when, and when this movie was made, but like, I agree with you that I couldn't see him then, but if they ever, if they were just doing it now, he could absolutely handle this role. See, I don't think and so. he kind of like, did like, he kind of did. He played Jordan Belfort in Wolf of wall street, right? Like it's, yeah, it's kind of like, but Jordan Belfort wasn't fucking slight hit, killing people with uh, an ax and then moonwalking with it. Yeah, and I get it, but like he still had that like Wall Street douchebag, like yeah. I mean, he could play the wall like a douchebag with the best of them. But I'm saying in terms of like I don't know. see. I have to see how he does because the Devil in the White City is going to come out, and oh, I don't know. I'm supposed to say he does it, so he's supposed to play H. H. Holmes. So I want to see how he does in that role. I think Leo is a phenomenal actor. He is, I, and I know you, you weren't knocking him. My brother and me uh, gave each other. I give my brother shit because he thinks Leo is like one of the greatest I give him. I don't think Leo's one of the greatest actors. I think he's a phenomenal actor. And the role that got me into, uh, the Leo was, was eating Gilbert. Great. I thought he really showcased his skills in that movie. Titanic. I thought was just a, to me is a draw, a, a love story that was, you know, teeny bopper love story when he did, uh, I mean, like a brilliant, beautiful teeny bopper love story. It, it is what it is. It's, it's James Cameron's, you know, love story to a boat. Right. And no, he I just happened it. to be on it. But I think, you know, when he for did, me, like for me, it was the Basketball Diaries. Where I'm like, Basketball right, Diaries, another movie. Like, Leo, Leo can fucking act. That's totally outside his realm, though. He yeah. plays like that's something that is outside his realm. And then you have like his stinkers, which I thought was are good movies to me, like The Quick and the Dead, where he plays like a Billy the Kid kind of ripoff kid. You know, then you go, then you have his big movies like The Parted, Wolf on Wall Street, you know, The Revelant. Like those show his acting skills now, and he has developed into a great. You know, he could be an asshole, like he was the Candyman in Django. Yeah. Did you ever see that? Um, uh, it's going around on TikTok right now where like Robert De Niro is having a conversation with Martin Scorsese and Leonardo, mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio comes over in and interrupts him. He's like, I need to talk to my director. And Robert De Niro's like, excuse me. He's like, your director. He's like, yeah, I made five movies with Martin Scorsese. And Robert De Niro goes, oh, that's cute. I made eight movies with Martin Scorsese and they're just playing. They're having fun. It was a promo thing, but, um, um, yeah, like I, 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 the Leo thing is, it is what it is. Like he's a fantastic actor. I would love to see what he could do with it today. Yeah. If now going back, I think he, he, I don't know if he would have crushed it like Bale would have. Yeah. Maybe I, today I, he could have. But like, again, I have to see him as like the conniving, like person that's like I think, psychotic I think, out of the fucking mind character. I think you got to watch, you got to watch uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, I mean, he plays an asshole in the movie, but oh, he's oh my god! But he's not like a like a Patrick Bateman asshole. He's not. Well, he's not, but he is right. Like, um, and that's all. That's all I'm gonna say. And another movie that doesn't get a lot of praise that I think is really well done. My brother will say this as well. Is Shutter Island? 
that's a great psychological movie that Leo plays. I had this fucking debate with my dad on Monday when he came over and he was like, he's like, I've only seen it once. I don't remember it. I think I got to go back and rewatch that. Yeah, I definitely would check that one out. But okay. American Cycle is a, and going back, running back and not going too far off, but American Cycle is a Christmas movie in both of our opinions. A couple of trivia facts about this one. Uh, Johnny Depp actually expressed uh, interest in playing the lead role. I love Johnny Depp. He couldn't do it, in my opinion. Uh, Ian McGregor was offered a role of Patrick Bateman, another great actor. I don't know if he can do it the way per, uh, Christian Bale did, but when he declined, he actually pushed Christian Bale to do it more because they're friends. Um, the moonwalk with the axe is what I talked about earlier. That was improvised. You know, Bateman basically imp- uh, did the work wake up routine. Uh, I mean, I mean, Christian Bale did a work up wake up routine of Patrick Bateman every morning while filming this movie, which I think is hilarious because he stays in the character. He's a very big uh, character actor. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Whitney Houston, she refused to have any of her songs used in this film. Uh, I think she probably should have because she needs some money at the time. But <laughs> I mean, what can you say? Huey Lewis didn't care. So yeah, that's another thing. Huey Lewis got like I think kind of got a little resurgence with. Uh, this movie because he's such a big factor in it. He really is. Um, but if you haven't seen American Cycle, tell people where they can find it as well. Um, American Cycle is available to stream on Max and it is available to rent um, on any of your major rental distributors. Awesome, my friend. So those are our six movies. We kept it in a short list on our way back. So we want to give you guys, you know, kind of like let the soak in. Let us know what you guys think uh, at Yumper and Soul on Twitter or on Facebook at the Statistic Penguin Studios or on this YouTube channel. Uh, but with that, we still have a couple more segments that we're going to get into. And one of our regular segments is news and rumors. I love so, Swall, so Swall, tell us about some news and rumors, my friend. So um, the video game awards uh, at IGN um, happened this week, right? Mm-hmm. And they announced some new video games. Uh, one of them is a Blade video game, right? Um, so my question for you with news and rumors with this blade video game, does this get you any more or less excited for the future of Marvel? So I think, uh, blade is something that I was actually excited for when it was kind of hinted in the end of, uh, Eternals. Eternals. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I thought that was something that was kind of cool. I want to see how they transition from the Wesley Snipes blade because that's who we all know. I know there was a, TV series of Blade that was on TNT or TBS that was okay. I think it was on Spike. Oh, Spike. Okay. Remember, remember Spike? Yeah. Yes, I do remember Spike. Um, so it was on TV, but it, it didn't really get the love that it should have gotten. I hope that Kevin Fig and uh, Marvel, you know, take care of it and nurture it to where it could be something good. Uh, the video game, I think, is going to be awesome. The, the Blade video game was awesome when it was made. Uh, my favorite Blade movie is Blade 2 with Guillermo del Toro. I love that movie. Uh, it's like what made me really go into his work when I learned he made it and kind of, you know, pro- propelled him in his career. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm kind you say I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll be okay, okay. with it. I think that's a fair assessment, but does it get you any more excited um, knowing that they're doing other avenues of media, like for what is in store cinematically. Uh, I think so. I think uh, it's kind of nice, you know, to branch out. Like Kevin Feige came, actually came out and said that Tony Stark's dead. He's not, they're not going to revisit him. They're not bringing him back. 
I mean, I, which, I like that. Which I think is like, that's a big, for one, you know, that kills a lot of potential because a lot of people do kind of want him back. But two, that's putting your foot in the, you know, in the ground, like drawing a line in the sand saying we're doing something new. And I always like that. I do like the avenue they're going in. I think, uh, you know, just not even in films, in series. I'd like She-Hulk. I, I don't, I know a lot of people hate it, but I liked it because it was something different and it's kind of shot in the way the character was made. I do like uh, Daredevil. I think Daredevil, you know, they're going to bring a new series back with that. The Punisher was always one of my favorite ones. You know, I watched, I tore through that series and now they're bringing it back. He's reviving other series and now we know we have Blade coming out. You know, there's talk about him actually looking into X-Men now, you know, bringing X-Men back in his own way of bringing it back. You know, that there's they're not going to see how they're going to pull the Deadpool, you know, Deadpool universe into this universe. It's oh. kind of a nice to see how they're going to mix things up. I really want to see the Sinister Six to see if they bring them back, but um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, Fantastic Four has been uh, talked about. You know, Javier Bardem has been talked about being named as Mr. Fantastic. There, there's so he's trying new avenues to bring other franchises back. I do like that they're bringing Blade back. I want to see. Uh, you know, something about maybe Ghost Rider, a different version of it. Yeah, not a Nicolas Cage. A Latino version of it, because Ghost oh. Rider is Latino now. Yeah. Bring that back. But, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I not too burnt out from it, but I also, I don't consume Marvel like I used to either. I don't, and um, that's the, like, I haven't, like, I haven't even seen the Marvels yet. Yeah, I haven't seen the Marvels. Uh, I, I started, I just barely got into Loki because I've been so busy. Uh, Loki is great, by the way. Um, just got into Loki again uh, to finish it off. You know, I like what he's doing with the universe and there is going to be fatigue for any genre, you know, of things and comic book fans are as crazy as Star Wars fans. They're going to shit on shit and they're going to love stuff. That's just the way it is. Uh, but for people to say there's a big fatigue with comic book movies, well, yeah, there is, but comic movies have had their run for almost 20 years and making blockbuster films. I think like, not only that, but like the, the catalog or the source material is so it's been going on for longer than that. Right. Mm -hmm. There's still so many stories that people want to be told. I just want to be excited by them again. And I think Blade is is something that like I heard that there was going to be a Blade video game. And I was like, oh, cool. Like because I'm waiting for the Marsala Ali mm -hmm. version of Blade. The only thing that's disappointing is that this Blade video game is going to be an Xbox exclusive. Oh, that's, that's okay with me. That's okay for you, right? That's okay for you, but I cannot I cannot play it. Um uh all right. Well then I got one more thing for news and rumors if you're ready for it. Yes, sir. I know that this is gonna hit close to home. So Kurt Russell has recently been interviewed um about a potential sequel to Big Trouble and Little China and what it would take for that to happen. Yumber, as someone who's um that is your favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Tell me your thoughts on a potential sequel to Big Trouble in Little China, if it were to happen. So uh, it's funny because when I first read about this, I was like, how are they going to do it? You know, this is like me being a nerd going on the forums back in the day looking at it because it was, an, it was this has been a development hell for a long time. Then I heard Dwayne Johnson, you know, bought rights to it and was developing it. Then I heard he was going to star in it. And I'm like, is this a fucking remake? Which I started reading quotes from John Carpenter who said, the studio doesn't know what the fuck to do with my movie and they won't pay homage to it correctly. Which I'm like, uh, please. It got to the point where a lot of Big Trouble in Little China fans 
went out and were like sending messages to the studio, tagging him in social media, sending letters to the, the studio saying, you know, you can't have Dwayne Johnson be Jack Burton. Like Kurt Russell has to be back to the point where Dwayne Johnson had to come out publicly and say, no, no, I'm not playing Jack Burton. And I'm playing a totally different character. So to me, it's like, uh, do I want it to happen? Not really, unless John Carpenter is involved. And from what I'm seeing, like Carpenter is not going to, he might just take the check if it's made because that's what he does with all the Halloween movies. <laughs> but I don't think he's going to want to be involved unless he has creative control over it. I think Kurt Russell is just being Kurt Russell, a nice guy saying he would do it if only John does is involved and directs it because he knows John's going to say no if they don't give him creative control. In a perfect world, John would come on and I would like to see his vision, you know, to have a big, big trouble in Little China sequel with the production value and the backing of a studio because that movie was not backed. That movie did bomb at the box office. It wasn't even promoted correctly. The only reason it, it became so big is because it's a cult classic. Yeah. You know, it'll be nice to see that promote it correctly right now. Um, and I would like to get, if it, you know, in a perfect world, I'd like to get it done before John, you know, passes away because John's pretty old. But I, it's not going to happen. I'm not looking forward to it because I think it's going to be another Hollywood shit stain. That's just me. Uh, what about you? I I mean, so, you know, I don't love the movie like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't dislike it. I like it a lot. I love John Carpenter movies. Um, but I really, I feel no way towards anything anymore in Hollywood because they'll remake whatever they want to remake if they think it will make money. Um, they don't care what fans of the original say, what they do. They're making another goddamn Karate Kid movie with, uh, um, uh, sorry, why am I having a brain fart? Ralph Macchio. With Ralph Macchio and Jackie Chan, right? At least they're including the original one in there. Yeah, at least they're including the original one, but like they don't care. If it makes money, Hollywood's going to do it. That's all that matters. So I'm almost numb to the remakes at this point. If like if I see it, I see it. If it's good and it entertains me, cool. Uh, I'm not going to hate on it because it can never change the way I feel about like um, the original one. But I heard they're replacing Jonathan Majors as Kang with Andy Milanakis, but only if he seems only if he sings the theme song from the Andy Milanakis show. Man, Andy Milanakis, man, I really thought that was like a kid when that show came. Out. I know that was a grown man. It was a grown man, but I love the theme song to that show. Yeah, no, I don't care. Like whatever, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of it. I think th- I wish they would go with original thought, but I mean, who am I? To tell Hollywood what to do. There's still some. There's still some original thoughts out there somewhere. There, it's just they're fewer and far between. I would like them to release a uh, new Blu-ray with like special features and like a, and a 4K restoration of it. Yeah, and maybe like a like a back behind the scenes documentary sure. with it. That would be kind of sure. cool. But I highly doubt they do that. Yeah, but uh, I still love you, Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's our news and rumors, Mr. Savoda. And we have one more segment with uh, Spool's final thought. But before we get to that, I just want to say thank you guys for watching and listening this week. Uh, the show, if you're watching live on YouTube, thank you so much. Um, but just a heads up, the audio version will be coming out later on tonight. I'll post that to all our feeds on Spotify, Apple Music, and Stitcher, if Stitcher still exists. Uh, be sure to follow us at Yumper and Swole on Twitter or the X. Uh, and check us out on our YouTube channel, Sadistic Penguin Studios. Uh, well, we're growing, baby. We're getting up there. Yep. Um, we just hit 500 subscribers. So th- thank you to everyone who subscribed. Uh, we're just chugging along. Uh, also, Mr. Svoboda and Eugene and Tele- 
from Eugene to Tallahassee will be on the Chicago Sports Bums tomorrow at 9 p.m. Is that correct, Swell? Yes, I will be uh I will be on there with my other podcast partner, um, Luke, uh Bruhan Luke. You guys might know him. Um, and we're gonna be talking bowl season and college football. My two loves, I get to talk back to back, uh, back to back nights, movies and college football. So hey, we are humble, Sam. We are humble. Uh but yes, uh, so check them out. Uh, check out the bums. Give them a follow. Also, give a follow to the Askcaster. There you go, Sam. Give a follow to the Askcaster. Hilarious. Uh, I've been on their show before. Ryan's on their show. Swole's still waiting for his invite. But I'm, I'm still sure waiting for the invite, bro. He'll get it. But yeah, their uh, stuff is great. Very unique takes uh, takes on everything. It's uh, pretty and, funny. It's pretty funny stuff. Yes, they're um, always they're always really really supportive of us. So we love yes. them. And King Ass is in the comments all the time. King Ass did not judge me today when um, I told him that I bought. A Patrick Williams Bulls jersey. Oh my God! Jeez, I don't know why you bought. That's the waste of money. Uh, but uh, Sam and Brian didn't think so. So, yeah, it's a waste of money. But uh, with that, let's get into our Swole's final thought. In my thoughts, I use the technique of positive visualization. Oh. Did we did we jump the gun on yeah, we final thought? We jumped the gun on my final thought. It's okay. It's okay. okay. That's um, a, coming soon first. Let's my bad. Soon. So Yumper and I were texting earlier uh, this afternoon, and we have planned out our next two months almost. Um, uh, but our next episode will be. Are we going to do a Christmas Eve? Uh, well, what's this? Seventeenth. Uh, uh, yeah, we can do Christmas Eve. Let's do a matinee, like keeping with movie theme. Let's do a matinee Christmas Eve. Yes, let's do that way. All right, so um, we're going to do a matinee Christmas Eve show where we're going to be talking about Christmas horror movies. Yeah, so check that one out. That will be Christmas Eve. It'll probably be during the probably 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock hour. Yeah. We'll post that out. Uh, be sure to check that one out. And we also got two more big shows planned out in next year, so check those out. One going to be a deep dive into a particular film that we're going to try to do. One of those. See how that goes. Eye emojis. Yes, so check that one out. Um, but now we can get into Swole's final thought. I'm not going to play the video again. That's okay. We don't need to play the video again. Um, guys, we have so much content coming out um, on the Penguin Network. We've talked about it a little bit already. Um, Drafty Pod is putting out consistent um, podcasts that are really, really fun to watch. Um, the board game episode the other night with Yumper was hilarious, even though um, my comments in the chat were terribly misspelled because I was in an Uber on the way home and my Wi-Fi or my cellular network was dropping in and out. But Drafty Pod's putting out awesome content. We have uh, people that are writing for us every week. Roxy, comic punk, uh, comic punk guy. We have the hookup on music. Um, Tony is absolutely crushing it every Wednesday. You got something up? No, no. Okay. Um, Yumper and Svo. Um, <laughs> Yumper and Svo. Um, we're getting back into the swing of things. We still record. Um, uh, we, we're both busy, right? Um, I'm getting there, Brian. Marge is putting out YouTube shorts, TikTok uh, videos for our uh, our network videos on the on the X or the Twitter account. Moments um, of madness. Yeah, and uh, Marge madness. I love that. Uh, but we're always trying to put out more content and we know it's goofy. We know that sometimes like there's so much content out there for you to digest that 
we're just grateful that you choose to digest any of ours at all. Sometimes it's like corn and you don't digest it. Right. Um, but, uh, I also have the college football pod, um, and our friends are putting out great stuff too. The ass crew, the bums, the one Oh eight, all those dudes. So thank you for watching with us and choosing to spend your time with us. And we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next two Sundays from now, two Sundays from now on Christmas Eve for our matinee episode of Christmas horror movies. Until then, take care of each other. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Yumper and Small, a sadistic penguin studios production. You still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.